0: Of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love, I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son, Onsimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who in my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated you you for a little while, while that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother." That I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Here ended the lesson. The Holy Gospel. Is written in the chapter of Luke 14, verses 25 to 33. Glory to be to thee, O Lord. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays that foundation and is not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise be to thee, O Christ. There was a time when people wrote letters. a weekly handwritten letter on a Sunday afternoon telling the family news or maybe the special fountain pen taken out to write a thank you note following a particular invitation or maybe sometimes a more tricky kind of letter written in response to one of those sensitive and difficult issues that life sometimes throws up today's epistle Philemon it is a letter today's epistle is the Christian adapted form of a Roman letter a first century letter from someone to somebody else greetings but as Paul said if you'd like to follow the text Paul the apostle in chains to Philemon and the church meeting in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a lovely summary of the Christian faith. Peace being that which comes, shalom, from the creation, from the liberation of slaves in Egypt, from the creation of the people of God. And grace. God reaching out at great, at great cost through the cross to ourselves and to all people. Grace and peace. And Paul writes to a friend, our dear friend and fellow worker he calls Philemon. A partner, a Christian brother, a Christian believer living in Colossae, probably, 150 miles or so inland from Ephesus where probably Paul is currently in prison. So there are one or two things though in this letter that you might miss. Maybe there are four things you might miss. The first one is, yes, it's from Paul to Philemon, grace and peace, but it's about and I will call him Onesimus, a slave who's probably run away, who discovers and is touched by this same grace and peace. And Paul in verse 16 says this, he is no longer a slave, but better than a slave, a dear fellow believer or a dear brother You may know that in 1787 Josiah Wedgwood the potter took part in the anti-slavery campaign in Britain and produced lots of small pottery medallions on which was an image of a kneeling slave quoting in a form uh, words from St Paul Am I not a friend and a brother? No question mark. It was a statement. Am I not a friend and a brother? Something has happened To this slave, Onesimus, because he was a slave, he's now in Christ. But the second thing you might miss in this letter, Onesimus is probably holding and delivering the letter to Philemon which Paul has written. And maybe he therefore has to stand and wait and watch. And see what Philemon will do as he reads the letter. How will he respond? And we have to bear in mind that in Roman times, it is sometimes the case that runaway slaves were punished by death or even crucifixion. So there's an enormous amount packed into one small letter here. And there's a key word in the middle, verse 15. The word perhaps, Verse 15, perhaps the reason, Philemon, why Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but a dear brother. There's no question mark again there. Perhaps might imply doubt, but no. Perhaps this is God's moment for something where grace and peace touch down in a particular way. So if you wanted a title for this sermon, it is the one word, perhaps, perhaps. Or a subtitle, what happens when we decide to connect the grace and peace that we have in Christ to a tricky or sensitive situation in the contemporary world. Slavery, of course, divides society, slave and free It did in the 18th century in Britain, it did in Europe, it did in the 1st century in Rome and there is slavery today, it divides us. But grace and peace in Christ radically relativizes these and other divisions. We come to Christ with our social status, our social position, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, man, woman, But in Christ through the cross, God welcomes us all alike. The same is true today. Black or white. Straight or gay. Old or young. Metropolitan London or northern industrial town. Or country village. Poor or rich. Leave or remain. We come with our identity, but Christ gives us a bigger one. In Christ, through the cross, there is grace and peace for all. And in the scenario depicted in this letter of Philemon, grace and peace has dawned for Philemon in his hometown of Colossae and in the prison cell in Ephesus for Onesimus. So the question is, what happens next? What will Onesimus and Philemon do? do to live out the light of this grace and peace. Now, assuming that Onesimus could be freed from his prison, one might think, well, he might slip away into the urban life of Ephesus, join a small Christian house church and live happily ever after, though in the back of his mind there'd be the anxiety of being discovered. But perhaps Paul speaks of a better way, That does not incriminate Paul as a protector of runaway slaves. Perhaps a better way that lives grace and peace through the cross. Perhaps there is a new way of living dawning with this gospel of grace and peace. So Paul writes in verse 15, perhaps separated for a while to have him back for good. And, of course, we can reflect on our own divisions. Even as we are here today, Anglicans up and down the country are sitting or kneeling, bowing in worship, receiving communion from all the different political and social positions that characterize our country today, potentially in Christ, kneeling and worshiping and receiving Christ, the Christ of the cross. Let's turn for a moment to the gospel, because the gospel gives us a phrase which helps us to bring back into the epistle and think a bit more about it. In Luke 14, we see a lonely figure walking towards Jerusalem to the cross. Crowds are accompanying him, but Jesus Yes, he is the lonely figure. Jesus speaks words of challenge about what it means to walk in his footsteps in the way of the cross. Perhaps his followers will hear. Perhaps we will hear. And as verse 27 encourages us, take up our cross and follow. Luke tells two of our Lord's stories that are basically saying, think carefully before you start walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Because you can lose your salty distinctiveness if you're not careful. So, will you take up your cross, is the question that this reading brings to us, verse 27. I brought with me today uh, a little holding cross, Uh, often used in pastoral situations if someone is very unwell and they cannot find words to pray by taking up the cross very physically and holding it. It's a way of just being aware of what the cross signifies for a baptised Christian. Grace and peace and forgiveness and love and acceptance and a new identity and so much more. But perhaps... The heading for the gospel reading takes us on a slightly different track. The cost of being a disciple, reminding us of the 1937 book by the pastor from Germany, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. He says, Taking up the cross is the meaning of Christian baptism. He likens it to living the Lord's prayer Thy will be done, not mine. Forgive us as we forgive others. And he says that being a disciple means saying no to my will so as to follow Christ's will. Only the person who is dead to their own will can follow Christ, he says. Inviting us to think about the decisions that we make. Lord, not what I want, but what you want be done. Which can sometimes be costly, Maybe that decision would be costly for Philemon. And then Bonhoeffer also says the passion of Christ strengthens us to overcome the sins of others as in the cross all of our sins are overcome. They are overcome by forgiveness. And in this way we bear each other's burdens and live out the Lord's prayer. Forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Back to Philemon, we're not told how Onesimus made the decision to be the carrier of Paul's letter, assuming he was. Yet, no doubt, the passion, grace and peace would have given him the strength to do something difficult. As well as the very gracious way in which Paul will have dealt with him in preparation for that, if we follow the way Paul dealt with Philemon he was deeply relational in the way he talked to Philemon wrote his letter he was deeply theological in the way he made a connection between grace and peace and the new life he was now to live he also used a certain amount of maybe irony uh, as he told his story to him verse 8 he says I could have told you what to do Philemon But I wouldn't do that, verse 9. So I appeal to you out of love. Will you not please find a way of responding to what you have received so richly in Christ? Will you not do that now that Onesimus has become my son and your brother? Think about it, Philemon, please. So Philemon and we have the choice of picking up the cross at this moment. Perhaps God is at work making this possible. Perhaps a new beginning can come whereby we absorb the loss that others mean to us and are freed to go in a new way. And Paul ends up in verse 20. Cheer me up in prison, Philemon. Please do this. Verse 21. Maybe flattery. Um, I know you'll do even more than I ask. I kind of twinkle in his eye. And very practically, verse 22, by the way, I'm going to come soon when God lets me free. Prepare a guest room for me. And then we can see how it's worked out, can't we? This is radical stuff. Socially, in Paul's day, you have to imagine Philemon sitting in the Roman bath talking to his fellow slave owners about this. Oh, Philemon, we hear that your runaway slaves come back. That's interesting. How are you going to deal with him? What was that you said? Forgiveness? So how does this grace and peace work out? Two more important things you might miss in this letter. Firstly, there's no ending to the story. We don't know how it all turned out. But there are two clues. Firstly, Philemon appears in the canon of the Christian scriptures, therefore I presume it is saying something quite important to us. Perhaps there's a model here of connecting grace and peace to a tricky situation. And certainly 50 years later, there was a bishop called Onesimus. And whether he was the same man or not, the name of this person, who is someone perhaps of good repute, maybe that's been built into the family memory of the Christian church. So the way Philemon responded to Onesimus maybe had a good ending. But we don't know. But the perhaps without the question mark is the clue that allows us to be hopeful that grace and peace made a difference. And the fourth point, this is Philemon's story, not Onesimus' story. And the question really was just how will he, the person with power, rather than Onesimus, the person who was a slave, how will he use the power he has? To quote Tim Farron, MP, in the Church Times this week, forgiveness is an incredible an incredibly radical thing in a society like ours that seeks to blame and demonise the other. Perhaps we can, all of us, this week, take up the cross in whatever form that means and try grace and peace and forgiveness and see what happens. Amen.